0: to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Gianluca Rodolfi, CCO at Salioit. Welcome,
1: Gianluca. Yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: So IoT is really transforming different industries from smart agriculture to smart cities or maritime applications, but there's a wide range of solutions out there. How are companies determining which IoT connectivity services to use for their connected devices since there are so many choices out there?
1: Well, first of all, yes, that's that's something that we are we are seeing is happening. The IoT devices is really, really increasing a lot. I would say that this is like the unstoppable uh, willingness of the human beings to measure everything that uh, started at the beginning at home, and then on the streets of the cities and so on. And now it's basically everywhere because if we can measure something, we can improve it. So you can find a lot of... Uh, companies hundreds of thousands probably more than millions of companies that are relying on a measurement of different devices to then collect information and give an actionable result to the final user okay that could be the farmer about the the, the crop of fields uh, so the field of crops and and so on so that's that's in a huge expansion just on cellular we we expect uh, the right number to be um, between two to three billion IoT devices in the world. And it's growing really, really a lot. Now, depending on the type of IoT uh, device, the type of connectivity is is different. Okay? If you want to have a lot of information, you're going to probably go for LTE or any other solution that is uh, very focused on uh, having full control, real-time, and bandwidth. We are specifically at Satellite focused on uh, narrowband IoT. Narrowband IoT is a protocol specifically designed, it is the leading protocol in the world for uh, uh, applications, massive uh, deployments of applications that do not require a lot of data transmission. And you don't need a lot of data to know what's the temperature, uh, what's the wind speed, and what's the soil moisture, and so on to take action based on that. So that's the that's the protocol that we are using, and we are uh, extending this protocol uh, of the from the coverage of the telecom operators.
0: So you mentioned NBIOT as your specialty, and that's specifically designed for applications that don't require a lot of data or have low latency. And what applications are well suited for this protocol, and why?
1: The the typical use cases were. Uh, we we see a lot of interest are uh, the ones where there's the, there's a little bit of delay tolerance and uh, and then as we scale up we're going to be able to deliver uh, almost real time so we're going to serve more use cases the the typical massive uh, applications are a lot of uh, logistic end to end tracking of uh, packages boxes containers. Uh, cargos in general. Uh, there's a lot of in agriculture, livestock, maritime. So there are a lot of, uh, I mean, but then you can go to to many other, uh, maybe we don't have it on our mind, like uh, follow-up of the bees, haves, uh, and um, fisheries, and uh, many others that are uh, maybe not so popular, but they're already existing, and they're very relevant for uh, that specific uh, industry or sector.
0: Yeah, the use cases are wide-ranging. I did see a lot of them on your uh, website, so we'll talk about those a little later. 3GPP released 17 standardized non-terrestrial networks so devices could communicate directly with satellites. How did this enable Satleo to launch the first LEO satellite constellation based on the 5G standard allowing unmodified commercial cellular MBIOT iot ntn devices to connect from space? You know, what was involved in setting that whole thing up?
1: Well, that's the story of the of the company, basically. <laughs> so, so we started back in the in five years ago, and we always thought that it was not possible that the satellite industry uh, didn't have a disruption yet. So, if you go back and you check um, the eighties, early nineties, and the mobile telephony, th- that was that was very very common to have uh, local networks uh, nationwide, probably just one provider no interpol- interoperability between the different networks. So y- you would need to ba- basically even uh, manufacture different uh, handsets. With the GSMA and the GSM-GSMA standard, basically one standard is everywhere in the world. And this allows to have a lot of um, economy of scale. So now you can buy an iPhone or a Samsung uh, Galaxy and basically use it in China, in Korea, in uh, whatever you want, okay? In the US, in Peru, it's it's the same everywhere, okay? So prices went down a lot, and that's what made possible to go for, from the few thousands that in any country were able to have the telephony before to what we have now, which is massively deployed. So we thought that that was the way to go also on, uh, on the satellite industry. To do that, we got into the 3GPP, which is the association that is uh, setting up the standards mainly for the telecom operators. And uh, and we've been uh, contributing. So the 3GPP um, is an association where uh, any decision is taken based on the contribution of all the parties. So we've been uh, um, the company from space um, providing the largest uh, amount of contributions to the new release. The release of NTN, the Not terrestrial Network, and uh, and finally it took uh, almost four years. The new release has been uh, finalized, uh, in June 2022, and um, the standard 5G standard from space exists. It's a standard. It means that a device, the a cellular device that is able to connect to cellular network, can also connect to to the space segment without basically any modification in the hardware. Okay, or most of them, depending on the on the frequency allocation in the in the front end. Okay, but that's a, that's a big big step forward because if you think that uh, IoT devices, as I said are between two to three billion in cellular, but then if you look at the market now of IoT devices connected through satellites, we talk about few millions. So what do we expect that now the IoT Uh, connectivity being uh, basically at the same price point as uh, the cellular and using very inexpensive devices can bring uh, any use case to be able to work also on satellite. So we expect really hundreds of millions of devices uh, connecting over the next years in space.
0: Yeah, it brings together a whole new frontier. So I did see that you have some partnerships that you're working with uh, Telefonica and AWS. Can you tell us about those?
1: Yeah, so w- we've been uh, working uh, on, uh, on on our solution. That's the first time in history that it is done. So we had to validate and to show to the world that it was possible uh, to have roaming over base segment on f- NTN 5G narrowband IoT, okay? So, we put together all the different actors of it, so we demonstrated with the Simonica and the final device that it was a- we were able to pass over the package from uh, the final device back to the to the core of, of Telefónica. So this means that it goes to our satellites. From so our satellites, go to the ground station. It goes to our core network, which is based on AWS, and then goes back. To Telefonica, this includes also, of course, the authentication, the two-step authentication solution that we have on uh, uh, on roaming. In other words, what we are doing, instead of going directly to the final customer and sell it directly ourselves, we are providing roaming uh, extension, so roaming coverage extension to the carriers, the mobile telecom operators of the world. And that's what we demonstrated with Telefónica, with AWS. And we also had the supervision of the European Space Agency by dating it.
0: Wow, that's great. Some powerful partners, which takes it to get get it done that way. So how else is SatLeo involved in the IoT market? Are there other things you're doing?
1: We are very, very focused on on our solution. So we are building the first uh, constellation of um, own satellites, uh, which is already a big achievement. Specifically for the IoT uh, market, uh, we are seeing uh, that there's a huge demand, so we already have a lot of demand. We're already signing uh, contracts with the final customers. We are already signing uh, roaming agreements with many telecom operators in the world. And we're also seeing uh, a lot of announcements of, from the chipset manufacturers and handset manufacturers of including narrowband IoT. IoT features, possibilities in the cellular phones. I expect that this is going to happen uh, in the next, uh, the next years. We're going to see more and more phones that are uh, narrowband IoT enabled. And this will allow basically to any phone going out of uh, cellular coverage to be seamlessly uh, able to connect to 5G from, from space that we can provide. Again, this is a standard, so we are not going to be the only one. Uh, we are the first one.
0: As you said, there's a wide range of industries involved here, and I saw some really interesting case studies that you had. You know, maybe you can tell us about a few of those. I saw something about monitoring drinking water to livestock to the electric grid, etc.
1: Oh yeah, it's amazing. I can tell you, we are every single day in contact with many value <clears throat> service providers that are basically uh, the companies that are installing the devices and uh, collecting information and give it to the final customer, to the final user. There's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, Artificial uh, intelligence is taking a big role on it because, of course, you have so much information that you can collect, that you can analyze. You can go back in the history on what happened on that specific uh, CMI Life case. So there are a lot lot of things happening uh, on the the value-added service providers. Yeah, I can mention a few of them. For instance, livestock is a a huge one. Livestock can be anything, but just uh, in terms of cattle, can you imagine the market is probably 1 to 1.5 billion cattle in the world? They're not going to be digitalized overnight, but it's a huge market. And you can have different uh, solutions that are proposed uh, currently in the market that are already on the cattle. Uh, there is uh, the, the ear tag or there is a collar. And basically, the solution allows the farmer on uh, detecting many things, apart from, of course, the location of the cow, you can detect uh, pregnancy, illnesses, in uh, and many others, many other things, including uh, uh, what is called uh, <clears throat> virtual fencing. You know that uh, instead of putting the physical fences, you can have uh, low-powered, uh, you know, uh, electricity on the collar that stimulates the cow not to go beyond a certain virtual limit. It's very useful, especially if you have extensive uh, livestock, so you want them to to be a uh, few days or a week in one place, another week, another place, and so on, so that they're not really killing all the, all the grass. It is just one of the, uh, of the examples. So we see it very, very popular in, uh, in countries like the U.S., of course, in Brazil, uh, Argentina, uh, South Africa, uh, Australia. I mean, the, the typical places where you have a lot of uh, cattle, uh, big extensions, and it's very, very tough otherwise to have connectivity for uh, for those type of solutions.
0: And so how does IoT help with sustainability? You mentioned AI and data. Is it help in that regard?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's another example. It can be on uh, on agriculture. So you, you, they are claiming to save uh, 30% of water. Whenever you, you go into smart agriculture, you can save about 30% of water, increasing the production. And lowering the emission of uh, CO2. So that's uh, that's because the coordinated effort of doing and, applic- and applicating and applying exactly what is required is making uh, the efficiency going up, and therefore reducing uh, reducing what I said that the water, the trips to go and check on the field of things, and um, well, and many other many other aspects.
0: And so how do you see this technology evolving over the next three to five years? It seems like we're kind of at a tipping point here where it really is going to take off.
1: Oh yeah, we are at the brink of a revolution, I can tell you. That's exactly what happened uh, in the mid 90s uh, with the prepaid SIM cards everywhere in, uh, in the world, where basically we passed from uh, almost nobody had the mobile phone to everybody had the mobile phone in five years. Um, we are seeing it uh, happening in, uh, in IoT. You know, there are a lot of IoT applications that do not do not require basically to be to be connected uh, through satellite. They are smart, smart city solutions, so that's fine. They, they don't need the connectivity beyond the cellular coverage. But there are a lot of others that are already existing and have a limitation. And that limitation is that they cannot be connected at a reasonable price outside the cellular coverage. And we're talking about 2 billion minimum of connection that can potentially be interested in connecting through satellite. So we're gonna see these growing up exponentially in the next three to five years.
0: Wow, those are big numbers. So looking forward to seeing what happens. So thank you Gianluca Mm -hmm. for talking with me today about the uh, IoT connectivity solutions from Satelliote. Very interesting technology. I know this market is evolving, so hopefully we can have you back in the future for an update. To our audience, you can find more podcasts at
1: podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.